Our passage this morning comes from the New Testament book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. And I'm going to ask if you're able, would you stand please for the reading of God's word. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. This is the word of God. Amen. You may be seated. From this passage uh, this morning, I'll preach from the title, When You Grow, We Grow. When You Grow, We Grow. In college, I earned an environmental studies minor, which meant taking a lot of classes about biology and botany and geography and so on. Now, I remember in, in one class in particular, learning in great detail about the life of trees, the, the process of photosynthesis, how their roots draw in water and nutrients from the soil and, and so on. It was easy for me to be awed by the countless living details which comprise a single solitary tree. More recently though, scientists have been learning that trees are not so much solitary organisms, but an intricately connected community of living things. A recent article put it this way, Instead of computers linked by wires and radio waves, the trees are connected by thread-like fungi, which also help them extract water and nutrients from the soil. Trees work together in good times and in bad. Like a well-knit human community, trees are social creatures which come to each other's aid in times of danger like drought, disease, or pests. Trees communicate needs and cooperate to send supplies. It is the opposite of the Darwinian principle of the selfish gene asserting itself to survive. Instead of the strongest tree grabbing the dwindling nutrients that they share, instead they send it to the neediest. Kind of makes you think about trees a little differently, doesn't it? There's a lot going on underneath the soil. And, and I thought about this new, more accurate way of understanding trees when I read Paul's instruction to the church in Ephesus. He was writing to a community that faced a whole bunch of challenges, including, as he put it here, winds of doctrine, people's trickery, and deceitful scheming. And in response to these trials, Paul called individual Christians to spiritual maturity for the well-being of the whole church. Like a tree which looks solitary above the ground while being interdependent below the soil, Paul wanted the Ephesian Christians to understand how their individual spiritual well-being related to the spiritual flourishing of the entire community. During this time of social distancing, during these months of social distancing, I worry that we might forget the lesson that Paul taught the early church. 
Now, now I'm not worried that any one of us this morning does not want to grow in our faith. Quite the opposite. In fact, I have been inspired by the, the, the different ones of you who have responded to very real challenges and trials with a real desire to grow deeper in Jesus. What I am noticing, though, is that this time apart has made it easier for us to imagine ourselves as solitary trees rather than a profoundly interdependent grove. So here's the very basic truth I want us to reclaim today. When you grow, we grow. When you grow, we grow. When your faith grows deeper and wider and truer, so does ours. When you grow more and more into the likeness of Christ, we are encouraged to do the same. When you remain attached to Jesus and bear spiritual fruit, we are the ones who benefit. Our individual spiritual growth becomes that much more important when we see how we are interdependent with one another. If I am content with an immature faith, it's not just me who is impacted. So are the sisters and brothers to whom I am connected. Does that make sense? So with this in mind, let's very quickly look at three principles about spiritual growth from these verses. First, spiritual growth is not inevitable. Second, spiritual growth is a choice. And then finally, spiritual growth is possible. And I believe that living into these three simple principles will allow our entire community to flourish together. So the first one, spiritual growth is not inevitable. A couple of verses just prior to this passage, Paul writes about the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, uh, the pastors, and the teachers who God gives to the church so that we might all become mature, Paul says, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now that's important because when we talk about spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, we are simply talking about becoming more like Jesus, becoming more like Christ. Now, if that's not clear to you, if, if that feels a little vague to you, if you're unsure of, of what it looks like to become more like Jesus, let me make a suggestion. This week, choose one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, doesn't matter which one, and just read through it, looking, paying attention to what Jesus is like. What is his character like? What attributes does he exemplify? How does he respond under pressure? What is Jesus like? That's what you and I get to grow up into. That is what spiritual maturity looks like. Or, or maybe visit the passage in the book of Galatians about the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And just meditate on these, these spiritual fruits. These are attributes of Christ. This is what Jesus is like. Get these things into you. This is what it looks like to grow spiritually, to become spiritually mature. So when we talk this morning about becoming spiritually mature, about growing up, we're simply talking about becoming more like Jesus. But the fact that God needs to provide for us spiritually gifted people to help us grow means that our growth is not inevitable. 
meaning that our spiritual growth will not simply happen to us. Paul says it's, it's very possible to follow Jesus and remain spiritually immature. It's very possible to have given your life to Jesus, to, to, to claim to follow Jesus, and yet remain a spiritual infant. Paul says this looks like uh, being childish, like being tossed by every wind of doctrine, like, like succumbing to, to somebody's trickery. I think Paul has in mind here a state of, of, of being naive, uh, a way of losing the forest for the trees, of, of forgetting that we have an enemy who does not want you to grow spiritually. An enemy who would desire you to remain in that childish state. How many of you know that it's very possible to be a Christian and remain spiritually immature? It's possible. So a question that you and I could ask ourselves is, is very simple. Am I more like Jesus today than I was a year ago? Am I more like Jesus today than I was five years ago? Now, maybe you're a brand new Christian. You've been a Christian a week. Am I more like Jesus today than I was a week ago? Spiritual growth is not inevitable. And you and I would do well to be very honest with ourselves and look back over the course of our lives and ask ourselves, am I becoming more like Jesus? Have I assumed that spiritual growth will just happen to me? Now, when I say that, I, I'm not I'm not in any way kind of layering on guilt to you. I, and I'm also not asking you to live in a legalistic manner, like measuring yourself by some arbitrary standard. Rather, this is an invitation to freedom. Am I becoming more of the person God created me to be? Am I experiencing more of the freedom of Christ that Jesus won for me? When you grow, we grow. And if we're going to grow up in Jesus, then we have to be honest about whether we are becoming the people God created us to be. So spiritual growth is not inevitable. Secondly, spiritual growth is a choice. It's possible to be an adult, a child stuck in an adult's Body. It's possible to get stuck in our process of becoming spiritually mature. Some of you ha have friends who, who when, whenever you talk with them, at some point the conversation is going to come back to that same place, that same place of woundedness, that same place of trauma, that same place of stuckness. And, and we all know what that's like because we all have stuck places in our own lives. But you know what it's like to have a friend who you love and care for, and, and yet they seem content being in that stuck place. Our church this summer is reading a book by Rich Velotas called the, uh, what's it called? The uh, Deeply Formed Life. And this past week, we, we, we talked about some chapters together. And, uh, and Pastor Rich, he, he talks about the importance of understanding our family of origin. And he said, we need, to, we need to be clear about the way that our family of origin may have left us stuck in some areas. He talks about looking at patterns in those families of origins, looking at, at traumas, looking at scripts. And one of the very real practical ways that you and I can do that is to do what's called a genogram. Has anybody done a genogram before? I knew Dennis was going to raise his hand. I knew you were going to raise your hand, Dennis. A few of us have done genograms before. If you've not done one, I would recommend getting online this week. There's lots of different templates, but basically a genogram uh, is a way of looking uh, kind of over your extended family a few generations back as a way of starting to see some patterns and themes, the scripts, the stories that your family has told about itself, those, those traumas that seem to get passed on from generation to generation. 
And when we start to get clear on, on some of those themes in our families of origin, we can start to see where we are stuck, where we might struggle to be growing up in Jesus. Because Paul says that it's a choice to, to grow up in Jesus. He says, we must no longer be children. We must grow up. It's a choice that you and I can make to begin growing spiritually. In his first letter to the church in Corinth, Paul wrote, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. All very appropriate things if you're a child. He says, but when I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. I put an end. There's a choice. There's a desire. There, there, there's a, an implementation of our will to grow spiritually. Now, making some connections here. One of the ways that each of us here today can choose to grow up, there's lots of ways, but one of the ways that you and I can choose to grow up is to live like our spiritual health, our spiritual maturity is not just about you is to live as though your spiritual maturity is about the people who God has called you to be a part of. So again, let's get real practical. How, how, how can we do that? What does that look like? Well, we can ask for help. As we start to get clear on those places of being stuck in our spiritual growing up, we can ask for help because this is not just about us. You are not all on your own as you are growing up. You are a part of a community. And so when you start to figure out where you are stuck, you can ask for help. That's good news, right? I know it's hard to ask for help sometimes, but doesn't it feel good when you ask for help and someone's like, oh yeah, I've been there. I, I know what that's like. I'd love to be in that with you. My hunch is that every single one of us today would benefit from asking somebody for help in a specific area of our lives. A second thing that, that we can do is to be physically present to each other. Now I know, and some of you are online this morning, I know that some of us are not quite comfortable being physically present with each other quite yet, and that is fair, that is legitimate, there's very good reasons for that, we honor that. But for those of us who are, we need you to be physically present to one another in this season of kind of distance and detachment, amen? We need one another in our lives. We miss something when you are not here. We have to be clear about this because the air that you and I breathe, the cultural air that you and I breathe, would lead us to think that church is mostly about getting something for ourselves. And now you can be pretty comfortable on your, on your living room couch or in your bedroom and get a little something for yourself. Amen? And you might even be able to flip between a few church services because their worship is great and that word over there is pretty good and they're doing this good series over there. I get that. I do that a little bit myself. I got the podcast I'd like to keep up with. But ultimately, those of us who follow Jesus, church is not about what you and I can get or take for ourselves. It is about the people who we belong to in Jesus. So when you're not present, we miss you quite literally we need to be shaped and formed by your presence so we can ask for help we can be present and then we can welcome one another again i'm thinking particularly about this season that we're in right now if you've been let me say it this way if you've been at new community for two weeks you're just part of the family amen <laughs> amen you're part of the you're just part of the family right minister marquita right I know you've been here two weeks, you're like, I don't even know anybody. That's okay. Most of us don't really know a lot of people because we've been doing masks right now, so we kind of recognize each other. You're just, you're part, unless, if, if God calls you elsewhere, great. But if you're here, you're here. Which means that every single one of us can welcome somebody else 
into the fellowship, into the community, right? Every single one of us can invite, say, hey, you know what? We're going to eat together after the service today. Why don't you come and join us? Or, or a group of us is getting together this week. Why don't you come and be a part of that? Or did you hear that announcement that Minister One made about the Bible study? Why don't you check that out with me? Every one of us is in a position to welcome someone else more deeply into the life of the community. Amen? Each of these are are ways that we can live as though our spiritual maturity is not just for us. It's connected with the community that Jesus has given to us. So so, so we have to acknowledge that that our spiritual maturing process is not inevitable. But the very very good news here is that 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 simple acknowledgement and confession is the beginning to spiritual growth and immaturity and spiritual maturity. Our whole faith is is founded on the idea that it's our confession of our sinfulness, of our brokenness, of our inadequacy, which leads to our salvation and healing and liberation. Amen? Amen. So when you and I can be honest about those places of being stuck, that is actually a very proactive thing that we can do to begin growing spiritually. So who do you need to ask for help today? Where is the kind of place of of stuckness in your life? And and who is the person in the community who you can reach out to for help? Where might might God be asking you to be a little bit more present for somebody else today? Who is it that you can welcome more intentionally? When you grow in Christ, we all grow in Christ. So how can you choose spiritual growth? And then finally, spiritual growth is not inevitable. It's a choice. Thanks be to God, spiritual growth is possible. It's possible. We can choose to grow spiritually, but we can only choose because Jesus makes it possible. This is the, this is the amazing thing about growing up in Jesus. God desires your growth. God desires that you would grow into the person who you were created to be. God desires that you would grow away from self-centeredness and greed and lust. God desires that you would experience less worry and fear and anxiety. God desires that you would know more peace and contentment and hope. God desires that you would give yourself more fully to righteousness, compassion, and love. Our God is really good, amen? He wants really good things for his people. Let me say it this way. Spiritual maturity is not a self-improvement project undertaken under your own strength. We can't do it. It's too much for us. Spiritual maturity is about releasing ourselves to God's good desires for us. Desires which will be accomplished by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Isn't God good? He's so good. Paul writes that it is Christ who grows us and equips us. When you choose to grow, all you are doing is aligning your will with God's will. When you choose to grow, you're just saying, God, I want to want what you want from me. I want to desire what you desire for me. When you choose spiritual growth, all you're doing is making this tiny little shift into the Spirit's presence in your life. And Jesus does the rest. So it's Christ who makes our growth possible, but, but importantly for us, it's, it's Christ who makes our growth communal and corporate. Our vision for spiritual growth, when we think about it, is often very solitary like that tree. 
We think about, well, I need to have more, uh, more time in my, my, my quiet time, more time in my word. I need, to, I need to practice that spiritual discipline. And these things are all very good and important. But what Paul is getting at here is different. He says, we must grow. It's from the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament. Each part working together promotes the body's growth. Paul's sentence here is pretty convoluted. Paul has a lot of convoluted sentences. But, but the sense here is that, that we grow stronger by the power of Christ as individual members give ourselves to spiritual maturity. We grow spiritually together through Christ's power as you and I choose spiritual growth. As you choose to align yourself with God's desires, your sisters and your brothers are going to benefit. And as individual members give themselves to spiritual maturity, we all grow and benefit together. We need you to grow up in Jesus. We all need you to grow up in Jesus. Because you see, as you grow away from self-centeredness, we all become more selfless. As you grow away from lust, we all become more loving. As you grow away from greed, we all become more generous. As you grow in courage, we all get more brave. As you grow in truth, we all get more honest. As you grow in righteousness, we all come to care more deeply about justice. Are you with me this morning? And church, church, as we collectively grow up in Christ, those among us who this morning are fearful will begin to hear our Savior's invitation to not be afraid. Those of us who are exhausted today will hear our Savior's invitation to rest. Those of us who are isolated and lonely will hear the invitation to abide with Christ and his people. Those of us this morning who are doubting will hear the invitation to entrust whatever microscopic mustard seeds of faith we have into the caring hands of our Savior. Those of us here who have known manipulation and abuse at the hands of the powerful will hear the invitation to shelter under the scarred body of the crucified God. Those who find hope slipping between our fingertips will hear the invitation to build our futures on a foundation that can never be stolen from you. When you grow, we grow. When we collectively grow, you grow. Because it is Jesus himself who enables our maturity, Spiritual growth is not a pipe dream and it's not a placebo. It is our inheritance. The way toward expanding liberation and healing and reconciliation. The way toward becoming the free people God created us to be. Let me end with this. As a multiracial church serving and worshiping in the middle of the ruins of segregation and injustice. The only way we can live out Christ's reconciliation is if we are growing together into Jesus.
There is no strategy that is smart enough. There is no ministry that is holistic enough. I promise you there are no leaders who are competent enough. It is only as we grow into the likeness of our Savior, the one who reconciles all things, that we can be who God has called us to be. When you grow, we grow. So as you come to the communion table today, come hungry and come thirsty for these signs of grace. God is for you. He desires your flourishing and our flourishing. He desires your maturity and our maturity. Our God is not content to leave us in that childish state, tossed about and deceived. Our God has spoken the truth to us in love, that we might do the same with one another. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, Spirit of the living God, ask that you would please in your mercy and your wisdom reveal to each of us today how it is that we might choose to grow in you how we might choose to become more like you how how we might choose to become more like the people you created us to be spirit of the living god convince us again that you are trustworthy that we can simply choose to turn toward you to lean into your holy spirit that you would do this good work in our lives that you would give us better wants and better desires and better loves would you remind us this morning however however you need to that we do belong to one another through jesus that what you are doing in each of us is not only for each of us, but for all of us. Invite us and welcome us now to your table, please. Sinful and needy and broken people, hungry for the gospel of grace, which puts us back together, heals us, restores us, renews us, and saves us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.